you've got a Bible or iPad, let's look at Psalm 23 uh, on the screen here. And uh, I want to share something with you about the Lord being our shepherd. It's just something that uh, I just feel strong about as far as this psalm. We have a couple of days left in 2020. Of course, this is appropriate for any time of the year, regardless of you know what's going on. And I just want to share with you some things out of this uh, psalm that have really touched my heart. You know, God is a shepherd, Jesus is a shepherd, and David was a shepherd. But in Psalm 23, we're going to break it down here in just a second here. I was going to read out the Passion Translation, but let me start with the King James first, or those that are helping me today with our uh, technology. Psalm 23 in the New King James, I want to start with it first. And notice what it says here. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4. Yes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, Lord. Your rod, or you could say it like this, your word and, the, and your spirit, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord or in his presence forever. And then back over in Ezekiel, I just wanted to just take you. You don't have to turn there or look there. Whatever, in Ezekiel, um, it's over past Proverbs and Psalms, and then you have the book of Ezekiel. God makes a statement there that I think is powerful that I just want to bring to your attention um, in Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, notice this right here because um, this is interesting about our Father God. Ezekiel 34, verse number 20, well, verse number 11, just for the sake of time. Ezekiel 34, 11 states this. It says, and it says, thus saith the Lord. It says, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. So notice what God himself is calling himself. He's calling himself a good shepherd, a true shepherd. As a matter of fact, this whole chapter is dedicated. We don't have time to go over this entire chapter of Ezekiel. It talks about him being the true shepherd. And it says right here, again, it says, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep, notice that phrase, my sheep, and seek them out as a shepherd, verse number 12, as a shepherd seeks out his own flock on the day he on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my own sheep and deliver them all from the places where they have scattered. Notice that phrasing there. God is saying, hey, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to seek to help you. And, of course, over in the New Testament, Jesus clarifies this in John chapter 10. Uh, Jesus takes it one step further. In John chapter 10, beginning in verse 10, um, notice what it says here in John 10, 10, verse 10. Again, Jesus is, is picking up on the same thing as his father, and he's telling us in 10, 10. Notice what it says here, John 10, 10. He says this, he says, the thief, and of course, in Ezekiel, the Lord talks about, you know, the, the attacks that come upon us from our enemies. And in verse 10 here, Jesus says, the thief comes not except to steal, to kill, and destroy. Notice that threefold agenda of our enemy. And notice that agenda is not of God. He said, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And verse number 11, notice what it says, I am the good shepherd. Notice that phrase. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And then verse number 12 says, but a hireling, he is, he is not who, uh, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not 
own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf scatters the sheep and scatters them. Verse number 13, the hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Verse 14, Jesus reiterates it again. That's what he says. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by them, and I know... And I am known by my own. Verse number 15 says this. And the Father knows me even as I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So notice all these phrasing here. I mean, you see what God says is, is Father God. And then you see Jesus' love for us as shepherd. And I just want to remind you about that today. And I want you to, I strongly encourage you to take Psalm 23 over the next couple of days. There's only six verses in this psalm. And just to really take each verse and just, just really read and apply it to your life. There's so many things. Uh, I'm going to share with you 10 phrases out of it real quickly. I found actually 17 that have really just popped out to me about this uh, psalm. And again, I know that sometimes we read this psalm, whether it's at funerals or, you know, sometimes we just sort of read through it and don't get the full meaning of it. And I just think to, I think in my heart that we need to really re-examine this, especially as we end one year and go into the next. You know, David wrote this when he was a young shepherd boy and he was preparing himself to be king one day be the warrior that he was and of course all the faults and failures that he had but yet the success that he had is that this he said this the Lord is my shepherd he knew what shepherding is about but yet he knew that the Lord was his shepherd which to me means it's personal that God is the is my personal Lord and Savior and he's my shepherd and I think that's so important you know the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.10, he said that I may know him. And I think that's such a beautiful thing, that verse of Scripture there in Philippians 3.10. It says that I may know him. Not that I may know about him, but I may know him. And that's been the whole foundation of this church. That's the whole foundation of everything that I do as far as a pastor and a shepherd is for you not to know about him, but for you to know him intimately, to have a relationship. Everybody say relationship. Because I believe if you have a relationship with God, not just His Savior, but His Lord, then you can know His voice, you can know His, his way of doing and being, just like if you're married. Uh, I've been married now going on 26 years. You know, I'm learning how continually, and it's something that you practice daily, learning to hear her voice, learning to understand her ways, and, to, and, and for the same from her to me. I mean, it's a process, and I never take it for granted. And it's the same thing with the Lord. Even though I've been with the Lord for a long time, since October the 16th, 1983, at 6.30 p.m. at Southside Baptist Church in the corner of Cherry Elm in Tyler League, Alabama, 35160, that relationship is still there, and it still needs to grow. So many people are saying, well, I just got a relationship with the Lord, I'm going to heaven when I die. That's great. But, you know, what about the Lord being your shepherd right now? And we've gone through a year, and we go through any year. As a matter of fact, you know, a lot of people saying that, you know, Let's go into the next year and there but not be any problems. You're smoking weed if you think there's going to be no problems in 2021, okay? And I'm a man of faith just like anybody else, but you really are. You are hitting the Jack Daniels right now if you think that you're not going to face a problem. Unless you go sit in your room and sit in the dark. And uh, I was about to say cut the TV on, but if you cut the TV on, you're going to get depressed by watching some things on TV. You might as well face the fact that you have an enemy that comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy, or steal, kill, and destroy. But you have a good shepherd. And a good shepherd is an awesome, 
awesome, awesome God in your life that can protect you, provide for you, and we're going to break it down. And he wants you to be able to hear his voice among all these other voices that are telling you all these things like you can't, you won't, and it's not going to happen, and you're a failure, and look what, and getting you into self-pity because you made a mistake yesterday or made a mistake this year or made some things you should have done, you did something you shouldn't have done, and then he's just beating you down with all this condemnation. I'm telling you what, God wants you to not only have a personal relationship, relationship where he tells you how much he loves you, how much he believes in you, yet at the same time, he wants to dialogue with you. I mean, there's so many times in our relationship with the Lord, and this is one of the things I really want to help you in as we go forward, is hearing the voice of God more clearly in your life. Because I believe when you hear the voice of God, I mean, can you imagine being married? I never hear Sheila's voice. I never hear and understand her dialogue with her. It's all just a, it's a, it's a monologue, not a dialogue. That'd be a weird relationship, would it not? And it's the same way with our relationship with the Lord. And I want to help you to hear his voice. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 3, 7 says today. Everybody say today. Today, if you will hear my voice. And so you can hear the voice of God about whatever is facing you. That giant that's talking to you and telling you you can't, I'm telling you there's a voice that says that you can, and there's a way to go. Sometimes we have got to hear that voice, especially when we're making a major decision, whether it's a job situation or whatever it may be, uh, a purchase in our life as far as something, you know, financially, uh, a major purchase like either a car or a home or whatever. You've got to hear the voice of God. You've got to have that peace that passes all understanding. I want to get us to a place where we're beyond reasoning. Because reasoning is good and, and reasoning is okay. But hearing the voice of God sometimes is beyond reason. It doesn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense for me to pastor this church when I started it. It didn't make any sense physically or financially. But I'm so glad I heard the voice of God. It didn't make any sense to marry Sheila because at that time I really wasn't seeking a wife. I was just seeking the fact that I was enjoying where I was in ministry. And then it happened. But I, I heard that voice. And that voice, I'm telling you, takes you to a place of victory. Notice what it says in verse 2. It says, or it says in verse 1, it says, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I want you to have a revelation of something. God is your ultimate supplier. He wants to be El Shaddai, not El Chipo. He wants to be the source of your supplies. As a matter of fact, hold your place there. I, I don't have this, and I'm sorry, and I apologize. But go to Genesis chapter 17, and they'll put it up. This is just something I'm adding, something I'm meditating on. Genesis chapter 17. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take you from Genesis 17 to Galatians 3 about this being the Lord our shepherd, and you shall not want. Again, notice what it says here. This is God speaking to Abraham. You say, well, that was Abraham. Let me show you something here in just a moment in Galatians 3, that we are the seed of Abraham through Jesus Christ. And now what, look what God is promising to Abraham at 99 years old. So I don't want to hear anybody in our church family tell me that, you know, well, uh, I'm too old for this promise to apply to me. Listen, this was a promise to Abraham at 99 years old. Everybody say 99. 99 is divine. Notice what it says. And Abraham was 99, and the, and the Lord spoke to, appeared to him and said, I am Almighty God. And what is that phrase, Almighty God? That is translated El Shaddai. And that means the God that's more than enough, the God that's completely sufficient, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And he said, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Now, if you couldn't do that under the old covenant, then why would God tell a man to do that 
and yet we have a greater covenant through Jesus Christ. Think about that. He said, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. Now, notice what we're talking about here. We're talking about a man at 99 years old having children. That's pretty amazing, is it not? But the point I want to make is God wants to be your source. He wants to be everything you will ever need in every area, especially financially. And he was to Abraham. And in, in Abraham's life, it was about having children. It was about his offspring. It was about carrying on this generation. And God was faithful to him. And uh, I'm telling you, what, that covenant with Abraham is the covenant that we have today through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, turn over to Galatians chapter 3, and I'll show you. The very promise that God made to Abraham is the very promise that you and I have in Galatians chapter 3. Notice what it says here. Galatians 3 beginning in verse number 29. And it says this, If you are Jesus Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's what it says there. If you are what? If you are in Jesus, you are heirs with Abraham, and you are heirs to that promise through Jesus. And God was El Shaddai to Abraham. As a matter of fact, Abraham was a very wealthy man. He was a very prosperous man. And God not only prospered him, but God gave him the things that he had, such as this inheritance, this family. This, this El Shaddai to Abraham can be the El Shaddai to us. So go back to Psalm 23. And the Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. We shall not want. You shall not lack in your life. What are you needing? What are you believing for? Then let God, who is your shepherd, be that for you. And it may not be financial. It may be emotional. It may be some other, some other situation. But I'm telling you what, we need to make him the shepherd of our situations, whatever that may be. Notice what it says here in verse number 2. It says to let what the, it says to Hold on. It says, he makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. What does that mean? He wants to be our peace. God wants to be the peace in your life. So many times we're, you know, thinking that materialness or something that's, you know, physically brings peace. I'm telling you what, there is a peace beyond all those things. We have a farm down in Alabama, 66 acres, and when you leave one point of that farm near our house, you're going down this hill and around this you're going down this pasture hill area, and then there's this flat area, and it leads right to this beautiful pond area. And uh, I used to really enjoy, it's just a simple 100, you know, 100-yard walk, but I enjoyed walking down that pasture with my dad, my grandparents, or just sometimes by myself, going down and watching those cows go to that water. Because when they would go to that water, right before they went to the water or the area where they were going to the water, it was so perfectly still, and it was just so serene and beautiful. And peaceful because there's trees all around that. Even though there's a road over here to the right, there's these peace, there's trees, and then there's high trees on the side that buffers the sound, even if a car comes by. And you know what it says right here? It says, He'd make us to lie down in green pastures, lead us beside the still waters. You know, I enjoy water when it's in movement, but also that still waters. There's many, many times I've stood at that pond and just thought. And thought through things. As a matter of fact, when I first got born again and, and first started deal, God dealing with me at the call of his, his calling on my life, it was actually walking down to those still waters. And notice what it says here in Psalm 23 again. He said he makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. There was peace and there was leadership in my life at that time. And I could hear the voice of God just telling me, it's okay. It's all right. 
You're stepping into my will, your per- my purpose, your p- my plan for your life. And here I am at 19 years old thinking, Lord, I, I really put all my life into this instrument. I really put my, ha- my passion into this instrument. There's opportunities here. I, I don't want to just, you know, give all this away. And yet if there was that peace, there's that stillness. And, and again, in verse 3, it says, he restores our soul. He restores our mind, our will, and our emotions. So I was, I was driven by self-ambition, which is nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to have the best for your life and be the best in your life. And that's what I sought, desired for that. But then all of a sudden there was that restoration of not my will, but his will. And when you get to that place where, Lord, not my will, but your will, as Jesus prayed, then all of a sudden there's a restoration. There was a place where I let this go and embrace what he wanted me to do. And I found this even greater peace, even this greater presence of my life. God restored my own desires and made my desires his desires and peace came all because I began to obey him did it happen overnight no 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 it took steps everybody say steps it it, it took a a seeking that Lord you are my shepherd you are my provider I'll never forget I mean all my friends laughed at me and said you're laying down this money and you're going to go to school and you're going to go from making five hundred dollars a week playing to a hundred dollars you know, we working on the farm, just helping my grandparents and my dad out. You're going to lay that money aside, and then that was the base for all that? I was going to lay down aside the things. I mean, I had now accomplished a possibility of a recording contract, of a tour. I mean, all this was before. I'm going to lay it down for the call of God upon my life. And I tell you what, sometimes family doesn't help. I was in, the, in that very kitchen in that very house, and I told my grandfather what I was going to do. And, man, he just scorned me. He said, no, why are you wasting your time? There's no money in the ministry. There's, ministers are, are no, there's no respect and honor in that. Why are you going to give up all that you work for to do something stupid like that? Was his exact words. It just about destroyed me. But I had to go back to the Lord. You are my shepherd. I shall not want. Two months later, he died. Two months later after that, my dad approached me and said, hey, I know financially you would like to have more money. You're sort of to a place where you've earned it as a 19-year-old. I'm going to partner with you in this business. And that changed my life. And I began to have a partnership with him. And that consequently paid for my college education, bought my first vehicle. And and just things started happening for me because I chose the Lord who's my shepherd. I chose that, you know what, in him I'm not going to want. In him I'm going to be led to the place of peace. That even though people were making fun of me, my friends were making fun of me and telling me, you know, you're foolish, you're stupid, you know, for doing this. You worked your entire youth. And and I did. I practiced a lot. When everybody else was out running around, you know, I understand. I had friends of mine that were successful athletes that played at Alabama and Auburn, specifically Alabama. And you know how they were successful athletes? Because they worked at it. They weren't sitting at home eating ding, uh, twing tongs and whatever <laughs> and ding songs. I mean, you know, they, were, they worked to be what they were. They didn't get to the University of Alabama because of, of laziness. They got there because of diligence. And I didn't get where I was because of laziness. I got there because of diligence. But it comes to a place where, you know what, I'm either going to be diligent in the things of the world, I'm going to be diligent in the things of God. And I began to be diligent in the things of God, and he restored 
toward me. And notice what it says in verse 3. He led me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. And when God leads you on a path, I'm telling you what, in his way, in his will, in his word, it just begins to unfold his very best for your life. If you'll allow him. I mean, you can do it your way. But I'm telling you what, the Lord not only wants to be your peace, he wants to be your restoration. But he wants to be the shepherd that guides you. He wants to lead you. Maybe it is time for a job change. Maybe, and that's not time for a a spouse change. (laughs) So I'm telling you what, some people, you know, think, well, I could just, you know, anyway, I'm moving on past it. I'm telling you, and you you know, you can't get rid of your kids necessarily and trade them in for another model. (laughs) So, but my point with all this, sometimes life's hard, but he'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll take you beyond how you feel and the emotions of life. Yes, I forgave my grandfather. The day he died, I went down to visit him in the hospital. And I did my very best to, to say, you know what? God has done something in my life. He has called me and to be where I am called to be and do what I'm calling to do. And I love and respect you. But I just uh, agree to disagree with you about my life. And I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate and honor and respect you as a man, as a businessman, as a builder. I mean, you never did anything to harm or hurt me. I mean, that, that's just that one statement, you know, but that was hurtful enough. Words are powerful. But at the same time, I made it right with him, and he died that afternoon, that evening. But my point with all that is, is you know what? Let God lead you. I'll never forget, I was praying that morning, and, you know, they said he was stable. And so uh, there was no, re- need, no reason to go to the hospital that day. But I felt impressed to the Lord to go down there and visit him that afternoon. And it, he happened to be by himself. And it just worked out perfect. I mean, the Lord led me. He guided me. He directed me. And I'm telling you, well, whatever your life and your pathway, maybe you need that place of restoration with a relationship or someone that's hurt you or harmed you. Please use Facebook. Use technology. Don't let these things, you know, suppress you and, and just say, well, I just couldn't make it right. Even if someone's died, even if someone's died, I'd go to the cemetery, and even though their body's not there, I mean, their spirit's not there, their body there, you can make peace with them. I mean, listen, it's, it's, it does something to you. Let God lead you. Let him guide you. Notice what it says here. I don't know why I'm sharing it with somebody, but somebody needs to hear that. It says, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Look number verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley. Everybody say the valley. The valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Notice what it says. You're walking through the shadow of it. It didn't say you're walking through death. I mean, the shadow of a dog never bit anybody, did it? Hello? It says, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though we have to deal with what we deal with, and I'm telling you what, there's a lot to deal with. He protects us. I'm so thankful for Psalm 91. I have prayed that prayer over you and I as a church family and my own family every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, that, Lord, I want to thank you that you're our refuge, our fortress, our God, and you do we trust. I am not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe, and I believe you for supernatural protection over us concerning this disease, concerning these things. And that, Lord, I hate to see people die. I hate to see death. But I know that you right here, as it says right here, I will fear no evil. I will not fear this disease. I will not fear anything because I have my faith in you. You're my shepherd. Let's say it together. The Lord is our shepherd. One more time. The Lord is our shepherd. One more time. The Lord is our shepherd. Now let's personalize it. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's say it. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He wants to shepherd your life. He wants to what? 
what? Lead you, guide you, restore you, direct you. And notice what it says. It says his word, or it says the word, your, rod, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. His word and his spirit can comfort you and I. His word is a comfort to us. And that's why I would encourage you, whether you have the Bible on CD or, or on your phone or whatever, let the word of God, I, I listen to the word of God going to sleep. I wake up in the morning. I let it speak to me because there's power in this book. There's peace in this book. And, you know, you can listen to the news if you want to and, and hear the, you know, the highlights of this, that, and the other. But don't let that fear just direct you and just, you know, consume you. Let this peace, that's what it says, your word and your spirit, they comfort me. They comfort me. They counsel me as I'm listening to things. And sometimes I listen to really, really good preachers, and, um, and, and they just really encourage me. And their, their words are comfort to me. And they help me, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Again, letting these things, these spiritual forces come into your life, because it says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Notice this phrase. It says, before me in the presence of my enemies. It didn't say when you went to heaven. It's talking about your enemies right now. Is that true? What's one of your enemies? What's one thing that you're facing right now? God says right here, he wants to prepare a table before that enemy. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's financial situations, maybe it is a, a relational situation. Then don't run from that situation, face that situation, just like I did. I'm telling you what, the, the impression on a 19-year-old from a grandparent can destroy you and make you or break you. If It's all in how you respond and react. That's why when I'm around young people, I try to speak words of hope. I try to speak words of faith. I try to encourage them because I understood, I understand at 19 how all the things you're facing. I mean, I even wanted to play football at the University of Alabama at that time. I was kicking, and I was averaging about 43, 47 yards a kick with a hang time of about 4.2 seconds. I was doing well, and I had these big legs I was building up. I was getting real strong, looking like the Incredible Hulk. But anyway, um, I thought, well, maybe I should do that and go to Alabama. And then all of a sudden, I pursued that. And then Bear Bryant dies. <laughs> so that door shut. And I thought, well, okay, if I can't play at Alabama, I'll try to play in, 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 in a, a farm league there, the Birmingham Stallions, which is a pro football team. I went, tried out that day, and everything went good. And guess what happened the next day? The team folded <laughs> and went bankrupt. So I went to my room. I said, I guess I'm not supposed to play football. And anyway, I went to the Atlanta Falcons training facility, and I was going uh, to seek to try to do that because, I, you know, punting is, is, is just different from the rest of the football team. I mean, you can do that and be little and be my size, and if you hit me, it's 15 yards in the first down. So, <laughs> so that's the way it is. But anyway, I enjoyed it like a golfer enjoys a golf swing as far as punting. Anyway, I went to the Atlanta Falcons training facility and I thought well I'm gonna I'm going I'm gonna go try it out well I just I happened to be there the Philadelphia Eagles were practicing there and Reggie White was there on the sidelines and Reggie White called me over and uh, he 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 just stood beside me and uh, he was such a big man he's the biggest man I've ever saw in my life at that time and uh, he was an outside linebacker for the um or the corner there, well, he's an outside linebacker for uh, a defensive end for the uh, Green Bay Packers, which is probably one of the greatest franchises in football history. And there he was, and I just realized at that point, as he looked at me and I looked at him, that the NFL wasn't for me. I just said, I just said no. I said, if a man hit me like that, I would die. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, seriously, I, I, I tried to reason. I thought, 
okay, take the helmet off the shoulder pads. Even his hands were like, if just one hand got on me, it would kill me. I said, that's it. And then two or three other guys came over there, and they were standing beside me. I thought, that's it, the National Football League. These men are not huge. These men are giants. So I went to my car thinking, man, this is over with. And, uh, I mean, I guess I give up on football. I went back that night, and sure enough, God led me again to the fact that, you know what? The enemy before me was my identity. And I just settled in that moment of 1984 that my identity was to be what I was called to be, which was in the ministry. You say, well, how's that do with me, Pastor Brown? What's that guy? Well, whatever your identity is. Okay, you don't have to be called in the ministry necessarily, but who are you? Who has God called you to be? That's your identity. And don't let your past and don't let your desires define you. And sure, don't let anybody else define you. Let God define you. And enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going. Because it says right here in the verse number 5, he says, He will empower you. It says, He will anoint my head with oil. He will empower you to a place where His cup runs over or to a place of abundance. And it wasn't long after that that things started lining itself up for me. I ended up in working in this church, and then I met Jerry Savelle, and from Jerry Savelle I came here. I mean, things started lining themselves up, all because I stepped into the place where I confronted my enemies, but I let God empower me, and I began to speak. Hey, I went from... Hey, playing drums and hiding behind this instrument to the point where I was publicly speaking. And I was like, man, I enjoy this. I enjoy speaking. And I felt like I was getting better and better at it. And I was getting comfortable. You know, Amy tells me that she can't get up before a crowd. Well, I felt that same way too. But all of a sudden, I was getting up and I felt like I was like, man, I'm in my element. I'm in my divine design. And all of a sudden, I'm having joy, and then I'm preaching, and, and I'm getting phone calls. And all of a sudden, I'm getting paid to preach. It's like, wow, when I got my first check for $1,000 to speak, I'm thinking, man, I was like Michael Jackson, now I was doing my little moonwalk thing. I was like, wow, $1,000 to speak. <laughs> and then, then, then things just started just exploding. You know why? Because the goodness of God, trusting the Lord is your shepherd, every time takes you to a place beyond yourself and brings you down to a place of peace, but a place of joy where you begin to enjoy what you do on the way to where you're going. Yes, I didn't have all the answers at 20 years old, but I knew something. I was heading in the right direction. I was leaving my past behind. I was leaving self-pity behind. I was leaving my previous identity behind, and I am moving forward, and I'm enjoying where I am on the way to where I'm going. And you know what? I'm telling you what, that is having the Lord as your shepherd. And again, whether you're 19, 20, uh, 80, or whatever the age is, enjoy the fact that what he says right here, he says God wants to what anoint your head with oil, empower you. He empowered Abraham at 99 years old. Did he not? That's old, is it not? But I was working with Billy Graham when he was in his late 80s, pushing to 90s, and he loved what he did, loved what he did. If you don't know about Dr. Graham, he, he retired at a certain age. I was with him when he was retired. But he started bringing people to his house. He opened his house up to every president, to every person that would come by. I even had the opportunity one time of having barbecue from Cousins Barbecue shipped to his house to entertain guests one afternoon for him. And he absolutely loved it. And the older he got, it seemed like the stronger and healthier he got. And at 100 years old, he slipped out of this into the next. Isn't that awesome? Listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. All you need to remember is God wants to be your shepherd to take you where you need to go further. And notice what it says right here in verse number 6. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell. Everybody say dwell. Dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. 
I just want to read this to you. Hold on. We're going to have communion here in just a moment. Listen to the Passion Translation of this. This is Psalm 23. This is the Passion Translation. I like this. It says, The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I will always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. He tracks, I like this, he tracks his tracks, take me on an, oas- on a, on an oasis of peace, the quiet brooks of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the pathway to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become a delicious, you have become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all that I can drink until my heart overflows. So why should I fear the future? For your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I will return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. I can't help but think about this when David said, The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I will always have more than enough. These are such comforting words to me. You know, January the 2nd of 1992 was a very hard day for me. I had a cousin who was the same age as me uh, pass away and uh, because of cancer. And, you know, you're thinking, wow, this is not God's plan or God's will. And you've heard me share this story before. But I had to really trust in the Lord, even though it says right there, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. I'll never forget the decision I had to make that either I'm going to blame God for this because we believe for his healing, or I'm going to trust in the Lord and I'm going to pursue healing as a part of my calling. And uh, it took a while, but I worked that out. And, you know, sometimes life can be very disappointing. Sometimes people pass away suddenly or unexpectedly or whatever the situation may be. And for those that are watching, for some people that have passed away because of this disease, you know, it's, 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 it's terrible. We have to go back, though, to what Jesus said, that Satan comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to be the what? The good shepherd. So I just want to encourage you today. I and there's a lot to this. I mean, I mean there, there's 17 things that I see in this, this psalm alone. Just for my life, there are words here. Like, for example, there's, there's the, the personal relationship. There's provision. There's peace. There's restoration. There's leading, protecting. There's, you know, God is always present with us. There are times when I don't feel the Lord, but I know that He's there. I never assume that, you know, I just say, well, Lord, would you come be present with me? He's always with me. He said He'd never leave me to forsake me. Even though I don't understand things. And you know, the Lord prepares us. He prepared me to go to Montgomery, Alabama. He prepared me to separate myself from the music business. He got me into Montgomery. And then there was a season there while I was working for that large church to prepare me for where I am today. And then he got me here to Jerry Savelle Ministries. And from there, I traveled the country with Jerry Savelle and Jesse Duplantis. We did 57 large citywide meetings, and I went to all these churches and to all these events and, and, and actually learned so many things from these two ministers. Tremendous amount of education. Why? Because he, what, he prepared me to be a pastor. 
And then all this time, he brought me into a man in a relationship with a man and woman, Harold and Lou Nichols, that just guided me and directed me with such encouragement. For those of you who know Harold and Lou Nichols, you knew that they were just absolutely shepherd of shepherds. And that's the reason why I enjoy shepherding people. I want God's best. I want you to experience what David had. Because David, he just, he just knew that God was everything that he needed. He knew that God was everything that he would ever want. And it's the same thing with you and I. And it says right here, to dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. That means these things are eternal. These things that you and I are about to pray about and receive as you get your elements ready for communion. For those that are watching, I'd encourage you to find some elements and uh, where there's a piece of bread and some juice or whatever, and to prepare and to just let's just let the let's let the Lord be our shepherd right now. Let Him guide you. Let Him protect you. Let Him provide for you. Let Him give you peace over your life, and the things that you're facing, the things that you're dealing with. I just feel so impressed to to again. Let me reread it again from the New King James. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, my mind, will, and emotions. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake or in the name of Jesus. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For, your word, for you are with me. Everybody say he's with me. He's with you. He's with you, Miss Harper. He's with you for everyone in our church family that people have passed away this year. He's with you. Heaven's a real place. Mr. James Oates, who's a part of our church family, his mother at 104 years old, went to heaven this week on Christmas Day. And uh, I, that was hard, you know. I was thinking, I, I've got I, every single day I had a report from either friends of mine, minister friends of mine, or people in this church family. Somebody died every single day for the last 10 days. And I was thinking, you know, and I didn't share a lot of those deaths with my family, some people y'all didn't know. Etc. and people that I knew that you didn't know. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, okay, it's Christmas Day. Can we have not just one person die today that I do not know? And sure enough, I get a call just moments before I'm going to our Christmas dinner that Mr. and Ms. Oates went to heaven. And so I'm thinking, I pause. I'm thinking, <laughs> but you know, I'm supposed to be a shepherd. So how do I respond and react? And this is what I said. I said, well, at 104 years old, she lived her life to the fullest. That's pretty good, 104. I said, number two, she picked the best day to go. It just came out of me. She picked the best day to go, Christmas Day. She didn't die on her birthday, and she didn't die on Easter. She died on Jesus' birthday because she wanted to be with him at his birthday party. And it just brought such peace and hope to the person on the other line, or to Miss Sharon, who was with Mr. Oates. And so my point with that is, you just, you just never know what you can say or do how it could help someone and bless someone because you want to be the Lord. You want to be the shepherd, the Lord's shepherd through your own voice to them. Notice what it says here. And finally, it says, your word and your spirit comfort me. I just want to encourage you. This book, ladies and gentlemen, has so much powerful principles of peace in it. Let it speak to you as we go forward. Let it speak to you. Take those elements and get your juice ready and uh, peel this cup off and... Uh, don't spill it like I did one time. I spilled it all over everything one time up here. So anyway, and uh, let's get them ready. And um, take that wafer right now. Just hold it in your hand. And let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being my shepherd. Right now, I receive you 
in every area of my life to be my shepherd, to be my God, to direct me, to give me peace, to restore me in every area, in, every, in, 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 in everything. In your name I receive uh, your body, your blood as represented here. I forget the past and I focus on the future in Jesus' name. Now take that wafer and let's break it and let's eat together in the name of Jesus and hold up that cup. Lord Jesus, right now we just purpose to honor you with this cup representing your blood, thanking you for the love we have through you in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much. We praise you. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name. They're going to go around and get those cups. And for you watching, thank you so much for being with us today here at Metroplex Family Church. We just want to purpose together as a family over these next couple of days as we prepare to end 2020. I, let, I just want to encourage you, let the Lord be your shepherd. Let him be your shepherd. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's whatever. I mean, it could be a hundred different things. Let him be your shepherd. As a matter of fact, reread these verses out loud. Maybe you ought to write these six verses down and write out what the Lord needs to be the shepherd of your life in. You know, I, I don't have a lot of dreams, but I did dream the other day about Amy's mother. I just saw her. I didn't dream. I didn't lose a dreaming about her necessarily. I just saw her image. I saw Ms. Lou. Nichols, and I saw that they were, were had white hair, and uh, it, it was white hair as far as age. It was white hair, and it was beautiful, and it had gold to it, and their faces looked very youthful and brilliant. And uh, Miss Lou was smiling at me, but Miss Atwood was also smiling at me. But she was like she was getting ready to say something. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I want to ask you questions," you know. And then then I woke up, and um, but my point with all that is, it's this. Heaven to me now is so real because of all the people that I've known that's crossing that over on the other side. And by the way, none of you need to leave, so I want y'all to stay here. We all need to stay here and live long, strong lives. My point with all that is I'm seeing those people. I'm seeing that. I'm getting a glimpse of that. Why, I don't know. But it's encouraging. I mean, I wasn't discouraged by what I saw. As a matter of fact, what I saw on Ms. Atwood's face is, uh, if you knew Ms. Atwood, sometimes she, she's, she's a friendly woman, smile, but she, she's direct, right, Amy? I guess that's, you know, she's just Ms. Atwood. I mean, she'd call me, and, and uh, she wouldn't say, hey, how are you doing or whatever. She'd just tell me what we needed to do. <laughs> so, I mean, and I love that about her. I love that directness, but also she could be the most kindest person on one side of the coin to call me and, and, and really want to talk only about me. You know, there's many times she's called me and she wanted to pray about her family, but then there are many times she's called me and said, hey, I want to pray about you. I'm here at my house. I think Amy, she had a little prayer room area where she prayed. And she said, I'm calling you, just coming out of that prayer room. And I knew that she was praying for me. I could sense that. And when she called me, it wasn't just words. I knew that she was doing something about it. Or when I hung the phone up, I could, I knew that Ms. Atwood was praying for me. As a matter of fact, I was dealing with a situation one time, and I kept saying, Ms. Atwood's praying for me, and this is going to be all right. I said that over and over for the next two hours. And you know, that situation completely turned around. Completely turned around because I said, Ms. Atwood's praying for me. <laughs> so I'm telling you, well, how, our, how we respond and react to each other is beautiful. 
But it's all coming down to letting this be a part of your life. Letting the Lord be your personal Savior, being your personal shepherd. To me at that moment, Ms. Atwood was allowing Jesus to be her personal shepherd, not only to her, but to me. And I want to encourage you with that. You know, sometimes we do need to pray for one another. Sometimes we do need to encourage each other. I mean, we need to encourage ourselves. But sometimes we need to do what she did. She simply called and, and encouraged me. And then things happened for me. And then I called her back. And I said, look what happened, Ms. Atwood. And, you know, again, her thing was simply this. God is faithful. God is good. But I want to say this. The Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. We shall. And it's not just about financial needs, folks. It's about other needs. There are other things greater than money. If money made you happy, if money brought all the things you ever needed in life, then would not Hollywood be the happiest place on the earth? What city in America has the highest divorce rate as far as, and has the highest attorney, attorney uh, rate as far as divorce lawyers in America? You know what city that is? Beverly Hills. Without a doubt. Beverly Hills. And a dear friend of mine who's in heaven used to be one of those attorneys. And he said, I sat on the table in our conference room and I saw richest people in the world, basically. I'm not, uh, you know, as far as the acting community, sit in front of me with millions and millions of dollars. Not necessarily billionaires, but millions and millions of dollars. And they were the most miserable people I'd ever met in my life. And they could not make life function at all. He said, to me... After working as an attorney, I know that Jesus is the only one that can bring peace and happiness. He Now, again, he's a very wealthy man. He said money will make you happy, but it will not bring you peace. Of course, I've heard a lot of people say, I'd, I'd like to be happy. <laughs> so, but yeah, we all like to be happy. But I'll never forget the words of uh, Tony Romo. He said this better than I could, and I respect him. He said, yes, money will make you happy, but money will not give you peace. That's Tony. Romo, and he made a lot of money with the Dallas Cowboys. And you know why? Because peace comes from letting the Lord be your shepherd. So I want to encourage you. We've got just a couple days left of this year. Let's let the Lord be our shepherd, okay? Whatever you need shepherding in, let's go to him and write it out. Put it on your iPad, your iPhone, and get ready for 2020. Pastor Brian, you have a word for us for 2020? Yes, I do. 2020. Which means 21 is going to be the year of 20 W-O-N. Isn't that corny? <laughs> Did y'all get that? 21 that's pretty good, Pastor Brian. Now, absolutely. I tell you what, you're a smart little guy there. You're a good little fella, Pastor. Can y'all get it? 21? Let me get it for you. Okay, 20. All right, 21. Okay. <laughs> so, now, I, I, seriously, it, it, you know what? I like what Dave said when he was opening the service. That's better than all the other defeats we've had in 2020. Man, I felt like I was in a Rocky movie all this year. I don't know about you, and I felt like I was, you know, Bruto the boxer was beating me up the whole time, but I'm telling you what, the bell is sounding, and Rocky's in the ring, and I'm like Richard Moore. I'm getting my 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 breath at the last moment here, and I'm going to win the rest of this year. I don't know about you, but I have purpose. Regardless of what's going to happen next year, we are still going to win because Jesus is Lord, and He's our shepherd, and I want to encourage you with Psalm 23.